0: Crossway Church, Sermon Audio. Wonderful to be with all of you, and, and actually to be here a bit to celebrate that accomplishment with Steve and Pete and Doug, and, and um, as Steve informed me before, Pete's a master of divinity, which means he's a divine master, so he's actually above all the rest of us uh, in that um no it's great to be introduced by getting thrown under the bus by this is a man who had no hope in me, and he 's wrong uh, and i'm <laughs> that's not true by the way. I was a little bit more encouraging as a teacher, maybe not as a coach i, I didn't think he had a future in basketball, so that <laughs> so I was accurate on that side um, and of all the things that Pete says. But in his life, the thing that's probably most meaningful to me is just our friendship. Um, you know, that's how I think about it. And it's been a gift to Kim and I now um, for 20 years. I mean, long time. And uh, time goes fast. And it's just been, he's been a friend. Um, and that's very dear. And your church is very dear to us as well. Kim and I are here, and we've been here a number of times. So it's wonderful to see God's work in your midst. Uh, and also to know this, you're at a bright light in Lancaster County. And you think about this county, and in one sense, there's a sort of a Bible belt in this area, but to have a gospel light is still not ever to be taken for granted. Um, there's people all around that don't know Christ. Um, and if you're, by the way, new to this church, I would encourage you to plug in as Steve exhorted and become part, not just attend, 10, but become part and enjoy the life, sort of take on the family responsibilities and enjoy the family benefits that come by being a part of this church. So uh, I would encourage you to do that as well. All right, if you would open up your Bibles, please, to Second Timothy, chapter four is mentioned. As you know, This is Paul's last letter uh, written. And and these are, we're sort of approaching the very final words that we have from Paul in writing. And this is probably the most passionate appeal from Paul in this letter. And while directed to Timothy, his beloved son, this man that he was sort of entrusting the gospel to uh, for the future, it's really a word that's applicable, applicable to all of us. So I've entitled this morning's message, Preaching God's Word to God's People. And that's the call of a pastor, It's to preach God's word to God's people. And the main point is very simple, and it's this. Christians need, it's not optional, Christians need the preaching of God's word to remain faithful in the truth. And there's many things that call people away from faithfulness to scripture and the gospel. And in fact, more and more are being marketed and because of internet and just the opportunity for false teaching, inaccurate teaching to be out there, we have more access to teaching than ever before in the history of mankind. You have access to teaching from around the world just from a click of a button. And so what is a pastor's call and what's your need? Well, you need the preaching of God's word to being faithful in the truth. So, Second Timothy, chapter four, beginning in verse one: I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is a, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. God, thank you for the blessing it is to read your word, and now, Lord, we pray that you would bless the preaching of your word. God, that these thoughts that I share would reflect your thoughts. They wouldn't be in front of your thoughts. They wouldn't change your thoughts, but they would reflect your thoughts. And Lord, may this preaching be good for your people, people whom you've purchased with your very own blood, whom you have set your affection upon. And Lord, you as well long for the reunion of your bridegroom, your bride, into heaven. And Lord, we thank you that we have something to look forward to. God, help us to live faithfully today in the truths of Scripture and the good news of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you've just heard about a commencement, something to celebrate. And with commencements, if you think about it, with commencement speeches, What comes with commencement speeches? Well, usually some kind of inspirational charge or challenge. So I heard Al Mohler did your, your commencement address, and I'm sure in Al Mohler's address, he gave some kind of charge to people who have now just received an education, received teachings around Scripture and the Gospel, and he probably charged them to do something with that. Now last year, about a year and a half ago, I was at a graduation we gathered to celebrate to the accomplishments of those that were graduating. And the charge, the final charge was this. Now go and change the world, which is a fairly big charge. Now what's interesting is that was at my grandson Austin's pre-K graduation. (laughs) Go and change the world. I think he was playing with a bug during the During the speech, I, I mean we saw him, and he he 's doing something, but he 's certainly not paying attention and, and i 'm not sure he 's going to go and change the world that was the the great charge. Paul is doing something far more important paul 's not giving sort of a, just a a go get them locker room speech, go out now and conquer the world. That's not what he's doing. He's not talking about how they would change, how Timothy would change the world. He wasn't talking about Timothy's personal dreams to be all he can be or his success. He's charging Timothy about faithfulness to preach the gospel. It is the greatest charge a pastor has. So this is an important message for us. It tells us what you should expect from your pastors and for what you should pray for your pastors. One of the things you can pray every day is every Sunday, Lord, help them to handle the word of truth rightly. Lord, they're just men. They're just men. So Lord, help them to be students, to handle this word, to to do the work, to be sober-minded in this work, and to handle the word of truth for your people so that it might bless your people and bring all the life that it is meant to bring to your people. So it tells you what to expect from them and what to pray for them. It also tells you what's most important for you and warns of dangers for you if not embraced. So actually, this message is really important for you, not just pastors, but for you as well. And then in this, in the close of the text, we have a great promise that comes for all who express gospel faithfulness. Three points this morning. First, the great call. The great call. And we see this in verses 1 and 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. This is the strongest exhortation that Paul gives in this letter. And he's charging Timothy strongly in verse 1. Think about it. He's not just saying one thing. He's layering this in the presence of God, the creator of the world. The one who formed you. I'm now charging you in light of, of God the creator. And not only God the creator, I'm charging you in the presence of Christ Jesus. The savior of the world. And he doesn't stop there. He goes, and by the way, this Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead. All people are going to run into an account with him whether they think that is true or don't think that is true. Folks, truth is truth whether we believe it or not. It matters if we believe it, but it stands true whether we believe it or we don't believe it. So therefore, we're called, obviously, to believe it. So there's this charge in the presence of God, in the presence of Christ, who will judge in the presence of his kingdom, charging him to what? Preach the word. And this is where you say, okay, now what's he saying here? Preach is that word of herald. You're heralding news. You're telling news. Now, here's here's what it's saying. You're not creating news. You're not the news. So pastor, you're not the news. So don't draw attention just towards yourself. You're not the news. You preach the news. And by the way, you don't create the news, you don't innovate the news, you don't edit the news. So in other words, don't be like the media today. Right? Which they slant, right? There's always a slant, a bias. And by the way, there's bias from the left and bias from the right. Bias is not unique to just one side. Everybody can have bias with things. And here's Paul saying to Timothy, no bias, don't edit, don't add, don't innovate, don't seek to be creative with the news. Here's what I can tell you with confidence. You will not hear new truth from this pulpit. Your pastors will preach you truth that has been tested for thousands of years. They're not going to come up with a new insight. Hopefully, they'll apply it wisely and insightfully, but it won't be new. We tell an old story, and we tell it over and over again. A story that was good throughout history, a story that operates for all cultures around the world. Same truth, one truth. And so he says, herald the news. Don't innovate it, don't edit it. John Stott, in speaking about this, says the following, The same charge is laid upon the church of every age. We have no liberty to invent our message, only to communicate the word which God has spoken. Our responsibility is not just to hear it, so now we're going to use, not just to hear it and to believe it and obey what we hear, nor just guard it from every falsification, nor just suffer for it, but now to preach it to others. It is the good news of salvation for sinners. Paul's final words, you always think, because I'm getting older, just turned 65, so I've, I got Medicare now. It's phenomenal. You know, I'm getting older and as you get older, you start to think through things and it's like, okay, Lord, what do I want to do? How do I want to end? How do I want to run this race? I want to run it faithfully to the very end. Preach the word. It's good news of salvation for others. Now, how do we preach? So he doesn't just say that. How do we preach? This? Well, be ready. Be ready in season and out of season. I think that means in season and out of season. Well, probably when it feels fruitful and when it doesn't. There's times when we preach and there's an effect and you know there's there's response you know the history of preachers is not always that there's times men have been preaching faithfully for years and decades sometimes with little fruit only for fruit to come later and so we preach the word see i think our culture says preach what works not what's true and there's a massive difference Preach what's going to to just pull a heartstring. You know? No, no, preach what's true. Because what's true should pull the heartstring. It will make the real difference. It will be tested. So preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. In other words, when it's easy, preach the word. When it's hard, preach the word. When you're prospering, preach the word. When you're suffering, preach the word. When people are responding, preach the word. When they're not responding, preach the word. Preach the word. And then how do you preach? Well, you reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. In other words, correct God's people and encourage God's people. Strengthen God's people with God's word. And then if you notice, there's a key word here that I think we need to make sure we have, and he has this in verse two, with complete patience. With complete patience. And so we want to preach God's word with patience. One of the things I I pray about, um, in anything I either speak or write, is, Lord, I want the truth to be the truth, but, Lord, I don't want to be edgy. I'm not looking to be edgy. Sometimes, guys, there are pastors, sometimes they are celebrity pastors, and they think being edgy right, is cool. And Lord, I don't want to be edgy. I want to be truthful. So if I'm patient with all, you should feel the sharpness of God's word but not an edginess to God's word. So with all patience. So when he says patience here, he said this to to Timothy earlier in chapter two. If you look back in chapter two, look across the page in verses 24 and 25 of chapter two, it says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, Correcting his opponents with gentleness. Why? That God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So with patience and kindness and with accuracy. Brothers and sisters, here's what we want to think of: Truth may be offensive. It shouldn't be obnoxious. It may be offensive. I think there's times Christians think If I do this all right, if I'm really patient, if I'm really gentle, if I'm really kind, and I present the truth of God's word to someone, they'll respond, even if they don't agree with me, they'll respond respond likewise, with respect and kindness. Folks, that may not be true at all. There was a hockey player who didn't participate uh, in pride night, um, and he wrote a letter about why he was not going to wear a rainbow uniform out on the ice and, and do those things. And, and actually, I, I read the letter. And I think, wow, you couldn't have written that letter better. It was kind. It was not judgmental. It was not hateful. I mean, it was a gentle, patient, humble letter. And he got crucified in the media for not going out to skate with the team to celebrate Pride Night. He got crucified crucified in the letter, uh, about, uh, uh, in the response to his letter. Folks, he wasn't obnoxious. He was truthful. He was just saying, I just don't believe this, so I can't participate in this. Folks, we need to think about in all of our communication, Christians, in all of our communication, public, private, verbal, and written, in all of our communication, we should make sure we are not we may, we may be offensive, but not obnoxious. Christians are not always doing well in social media. And some of it's not because of the truth it's said, it's because of how obnoxious and arrogant it comes across. So we want to be patient, kind, gentle in this. And then why this preach the word? Why do we preach the word? Why is this the focus? Why not other self-help things? There's a lot going on in the world. Why not something else? Might like just help me in this week a little bit differently. Well, preach the word, why? Well, we can look back in the chapter three, verses 15 through 17. So why do we preach the word? Well, here's why. Paul, again, writing to Timothy, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. And here's why we preach the word, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Why do we preach the word? Well, here's why. Because all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why do we preach the word? That the man of God, all people of God, may be competent and equipped for every good work. Folks, that is a mouthful of why the word must be preached from the pulpit to you regularly. It's why you go through books of the Bible. It's why you have the preaching diet you have because you're trying to get the whole counsel of God into your lives. Why? Because it, it teaches you to how to be wise for salvation. And I love that. And this isn't a, a purely biblical theology point, I don't think, but you think, what scripture is he referring to? If not exclusively the whole Old Testament, and I think it probably is exclusively the Old Testament, certainly predominantly the Old Testament. So the Old Testament was able to make you wise for salvation. To me, that's what you learned from your mother and grandmother. They were showing you Christ in the Old Testament. They were leading you to Christ through the Old Testament. So this scripture makes us wise for salvation. The Christ, we now start to see Christ died for my sins. There's the gospel in a nutshell. It's not all everything because it doesn't got to get to the resurrection and his life and a lot of other things. But the core, he died for my sins. This is the good news. This is what Paul, in his final words, final words, what are the last words you want to say? I know there's last words I want to say. I hope, I don't know if God will give me this gift, but I want to have strength before my last breath to exhort my family to follow Christ. I think, Lord, of all things I could say at the end, I would hope my last time in front of my church would be, he's worth it. To my kids, he's worth it. Follow him with all of your heart. You'll not have a regret. All your regrets will come from following yourself. You will not have a regret regardless of cost, regardless of suffering. You will not have a regret guaranteed in following Christ. Regardless of cost, regardless of delayed joys, regardless of unmet expectations, following Christ is worth it. Oh, how I thought, Lord, if you give me a gift, a blessing at the end, may I exhort my family. If they're around that bed at that moment, Follow him, he's worth it. Follow him, he's worth it. And you see, Paul, these last words, Timothy, preach the word. This word that had governed Paul's life for 30 years. Preach the word that that helped Paul endure suffering. Preach the word. Preach the word. Folks, this is what we need most, What's God people's needs most, what you should pray for. Pray for it for your pastors. Pray for yourselves. Think about this in every Sunday message. God called you not to take up Sunday morning time, not because, you know, those that are idle get in trouble. God's not like saying, how do I keep my children busy? You know, God doesn't think that way. God's saying, what do my children need? So I'm calling my children today to church because I want to address them today. Folks, this is always a holy moment. And if you think about it, it's a miracle you're here. Apart from the grace of God, you'd be doing something else on a Sunday morning. So even coming in here as a representative of, a miracle took place in my life. Otherwise, I'd be living for myself and I'd be somewhere else on a Sunday morning. Because God rescued me, invaded my life, brought me to the gospel, showed me my sins, showed me the Savior, made the Savior precious in my sight, I go to church. I'm one of his own children, forever adopted by him. And today, he's called me to address me. So you should ask, you can ask yourself questions every, minute, every message. Is there something God wanted me to believe this morning? Was there something different that God wanted me to believe? Or was there something I needed to repent of this morning? Or maybe God had something for me to share with someone else this morning. You just start to think through ways of how would God speak to me and how does he want me to respond to that? Brothers and sisters, we need to preach the gospel faithfully, the truth faithfully. We need to listen faithfully because our times demand it and it keeps us in the truth. Second point, the great danger. So we have the great, the great call, preach the word, and now the great danger. Look at verses 3 through 5. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves, teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in the As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Folks, if one and two is a serious call, three and four is a sober warning because the time is coming, Look what it says. The time is coming when people will not endure truth. They will have itching ears. They will find teachers to suit their own passions. They will turn away and wander off. This is, this is Paul trying to help Timothy say, warn the people there's a danger. Part of my final exhortation to you, my last words to you, my true son, my beloved son, is this, <clears throat> Preach the word because people will be in danger apart from it. Excuse me. Folks, these things of turn, not endure, itching ears, suit passions, turn away, wander off. This seems to me to describe our times. It's not just the world that's speaking sometimes nonsense and sinful nonsense. It's when the church joins it. it's when professing christians basically undermine god's word and god's truth and that is very grievous and you know, folks we one of the words today deconstruction you know people who deconstruct their faith they they sort of were a christian then they sort of go through disappointments in life or whatever maybe horrible things but they've now deconstructed they they've just changed their faith so you know that's not new I think Demas deconstructed his faith because he loved the world. <laughs> I love something other than Christ, so how do I create a justification for it? Everybody's got to create a justification for how you live. And, and Paul's saying to me now, this is what will happen. Some will turn away. In other words, where desires and opinions seek support from Scripture. So what do we believe about topics that are very prominent today? Sexual ethics, sexual identity. Well, what do we believe about those things? Sexual choices, sexual preferences. Well, there's many today saying, well, I have a preference and I have a desire and I'm gonna make scripture fit that desire or I'll somehow marginalize scripture, that it didn't speak to this. So either I'll justify or I'll silence. And they wander off into myths. Folks, desires, opinions, seek support. (laughs) And and will seek support often from Scripture. Robert Yarbrough in his uh, commentary, excellent commentary uh, to Timothy and Titus said the following. In the 21st century West, so us, Examples abound with books and speakers garnering followings based on their views regarding, here it is, end-time speculation, which seems to be forever. Uh, Somebody, by the way, is going to get it right someday. You know, predict it long enough, somebody's going to hit it. Uh, And then they'll be able to say, hey, I was the one who predicted it. And we're all going to say, you're an idiot too. Um, Maybe we... Maybe that's not patient or gentle, so maybe you say it differently. Um, In the 21st century West, examples abound with books and speakers garnering followings based on their views regarding end-time speculation, sexual behavior or identity, purported discoveries proving the Bible is not true or needs radical reinterpretation, sensational religious experience, wealth accumulation through faith, a very popular American message that we have exported to the world. You go to places in Africa, it is faith, teaching, wealth, gospel, wealth, prosperity. That, that's, that's the gospel. That you'll, and you just see it. You see it. It's very evident. And other titillating claims like what it's like to die and to go to heaven. Think about that. Think about that. We hear those kinds of things. And, and I would probably add to this list, add conspiracy theories which I I think Christians for some reason seem especially susceptible to, the conspiracy theory, the hidden knowledge, the hidden, and conspiracy theories, boy, folks, they are a hook, a tender hook that goes deep. And and once people embrace that, it's very hard to dislodge and ramp it. And guess what? The internet gives gives opportunity for all this. Folks, here's the conspiracy theory you need to know. Satan hates you and is trying to work the world to deny Christ, to harm Christians and silence the gospel. Yes, there's a satanic strategy behind a lot of things, but here's what you need to know greater. We have an unstoppable gospel with an unconquerable, unconquerable king who reigns and rules who is never surprised, is not shocked, and is not shaken by anything taking place anywhere in the world, including our country. God's not up there saying, oh my, what's this mean for the future of America? God's thinking this way. How's my gospel gonna go forward right now? And maybe I'm doing something new here because I have a plan. See, sometimes with sometimes people, especially with end times things, then Christians try to stop it from happening. Hey, we can't have one world government. All the interpretations of one world government or the beast or the Antichrist. And like, we gotta stop that from happening. Well, if it's the end, that's good news. Why are we trying to stop the return of Christ? Let's embrace it. And let's be bright lights in it. And you know how you'll be a bright light? Keep this word first and foremost. Keep this word first and foremost. So Paul instructs, then he, he doesn't just warn Timothy. So he warns him Timothy, this time's coming. I want you to be aware of it. Right? It's like his address to the Ephesian elders fierce wolves, wolves from outside and inside will rise up, leading, trying to lead people astray. Be aware. Drive out the wolves. Be aware of this. So, now, Timothy, I've exhorted you now. How do you stay faithful in the midst of this danger? Well, you endure. Timothy, you will need endurance to face up to these false teachers who probably will be popular along the way. False teachers are not new again. We sometimes think we're unique. We're not. False teachers... In the earliest days of the church, Judaizers, you've got to keep the whole law to be saved. You've got to be circumcised to be saved. It, it's creating controversy in the church. I'm sure there were people saying, yes, that's right. Our group, we're the Jews, we've been circumcised. Those Gentiles, they're second class citizens and now we're gonna sort of assert ourselves over them? You have know, the church has times of, wow, is the church gonna survive? There's controversy. People are gathering itching ears. I mean, you study, we're in the book of Corinthians right now. I mean, first Corinthians, you got people that are all over the map. Favorite teachers, preference. You know, in one sense, they're, they're celebrating sexual immorality. And then there's another sect that's like, no, there shouldn't be any sex at all, even within marriage. You're like, what kind of nutty church is this? Problems. And again, Paul's coming in and saying, no, I've got to bring doctrine to this. I've got to I've got to bring truth to this. Because this church is unstable right now. And they're gathering teachers. They're gathering. They're not listening. Not listening in the same way. So Paul says, okay, how are you gonna how are you gonna do this? Well, how do you be faithful in this danger? Well, you're gonna endure, but but first be sober-minded. What's sober-minded mean? Be alert. Be alert, be calm, steady, and clear. It's one of the things I, I love about your pastoral team, and I love about this church. You guys are on the rock, right? It's solid ground. Whatever winds, whatever winds blow here, your pastors aren't going to tip over, and you know what? You're not going to tip over. Doesn't matter. We go from. An accepted people group in America to a less accepted group, which is happening. We know where we stand. We know who we stand with. We know the truth. And the truth shall set you free is not just an inspirational phrase, it's true. The truth does give us an, un- an unquenchable liberty in Christ. So it's sober-minded, be alert, be calm, be steady, be clear in your thinking. In other words, don't get enamored by all things happening in culture around you, by false teachings, and then endure and work and fulfill. These are all active words. See, all this calls us to gospel centrality and gospel faithfulness. It is specific to pastors. He's talking to Timothy, who's a preacher, a pastor. But folks, it's applicable to all of us. You need to be the same thing. We're all, right, we're all saints. We're all ministers of the gospel. So there is this wonderful priesthood of all believers that we all have and say, well, you're called to guard this as are they. So love the title, guard the gospel. It's not just them. And that, by the way, is why they went to seminary. They didn't go to seminary for degrees, folks. I mean, that's part of it. They went to be more faithful pastors One, be more faithful Christians themselves. That they would guard the gospel in their own heart. And also that they would then love a church to guard the gospel for the people they love. That's why they went. That's why they had the sacrifice and the study. It's like, we want to be more, more faithful. Not that we've not been, but even more faithful to be able to guard this wonderful gospel even more. So specific for pastors, true for all of us. You're called to protect the gospel, to guard the gospel. You're called to do the same thing. Folks, preaching and hearing God's word protects us from wandering and it keeps us in the truth. So just to ask yourself this question who's in your ear preaching? And I ask that because of there's so many opportunities now. Folks, I would say this trust the people you know best. Because there's endless people you can listen to. And we should learn now as a Christian culture, I would hope, that the celebrity pastors often the closer you get, the less they become. Listen to the ones you know. Even what Paul says, you know from whom you've learned it. Your mother and grandmother. They weren't just people that spoke. You didn't listen to them on a podcast. I'm not criticizing podcasts, don't hear that. But know the ones you learned it from. That's why I think in, being a in part of a local church is so important. Because you can't get online what you get in this context. When you get What you get from being part of a church family. So who's in your ear? Listen with discerning Because errors are said by very gifted and intelligent people. Third point. So we have the great call, the great danger. The third point is the great promise. We see this in verses 6 through 8. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there's this crown of righteousness. Right, This crown of righteousness is, is coming. Paul's now days or probably a few weeks from death. So it's close, death is imminent. He knows this is not an imprisonment. He's going to escape from, his life is now over. He sees death coming and approaching, but see how it reflects as death is approaching. I had a talk with a young man last Sunday. I took him out for lunch. He's a man who has a heart condition, doesn't know how long he'll live, and and just talking about, well, how's that affect a young man? Late teens, don't know how long I'll live. So how do I live now? I think, you know, it doesn't really matter in one sense whether you live 60 years or six. You should live the same way. (laughs) The same priorities. May they be your priorities for six years or 60. Whatever God gives. So Paul's seeing his days now. And he's reflecting on what's most important. Folks, this this is what helps us finish well as we reflect on what's most important. You know, that idea of you'll know what's more, most important in your life five minutes after you die. I think that's a Jim Elliott quote or maybe a Randy Alcorn quote. But just, so you know, Lord, actually you've told me what will be most important. <laughs> I don't need to wait until five minutes after. I can see it now. So Paul's reflecting on this and, and us reflecting will help us to finish well. And look what he says. My life's being poured out as a drink offering. If you remember Romans 12, I think these words probably came back to Paul as he's sharing this. But in Romans 12, Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, how? As a living sacrifice. He's saying, you know what? My body is being poured out like a drink offering, a living sacrifice. Now, if you notice, Paul's departure is not gloomy or fearful. But upbeat. Paul's not gloomy. He's not fearful. Because here's what he knows He knows he's leaving and going somewhere better. We sang about in worship this morning. There's a better place. And the sufferings and sorrows here will be gone and forgotten. No more tears. No more sin. No more petty jealousies. I mean, folks, I I think no more tears, no more suffering. I think the biggest thing is, oh, Lord, no more sin. Just to not have to repent every day. To not even be tempted to sin. But to be like you because now I see you as you are. What a glorious day in front of us that was in front of Paul. So he knew he was going someplace better, a better future, he knew. He was going to a better place with a better person. And all those, better future, better place, better person. Philippians, in Philippians 1, he says this, for me to live is Christ. That's my priority. Whether I live for a year or 10 or 20 or 30 or 40, to live is Christ. Tomorrow morning, Monday morning, To live is Christ. You're going to school tomorrow morning. To live is Christ. You're going to work tomorrow morning. To live is Christ. You're going to the doctor tomorrow. Maybe you're going to a hospital. Maybe there's some trouble. To live is Christ. I know what my tomorrow is. And what he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. Far better. That's how he's thinking. And and think what he reflects on in verse seven when he says this, oh, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Must be thinking things like, oh my. You know, after 30 years of faithful gospel ministry, faithful gospel living, my race is over. And now he's looking to his reward. Everything he expected and hoped for was about to come true. I mean, Christmas is around the corner, right? If you have little kids, they're gonna have expectations for Christmas morning. And you know, any parent, anybody with little kids, the joy, that, when that expectation is realized, this is what I wanted. This is the toy, I want it. I can't believe I got this, right? Their expectations are met and their joy is so full. That's Paul. I have expectations. And now they are met. They're all going to come true in Jesus. The Savior he loved and served, he knew, I'm going to see face to face in moments. In moments. Face to face. And what's he going to get? A crown of righteousness. Folks, you know what Nero was presenting, we gonna state, proclaim over Paul's life? Guilty. You know what Christ was gonna proclaim? Righteous. The world does judge. And Paul would be judged by the world, guilty, but Christ would judge righteous. Folks, this is true, and why I love this text so much. This is true not only for Paul, it's true for all of us. Look at verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And then it it says this, because now it's really speaking to us. And not only to me, but to all. But also to all who have loved his appearing. Folks, this is why we need faithful gospel preaching, to remain in the truth, to remain faithful to Jesus till the day of our departure. We don't know that day, the day of our departure to a better future with Jesus himself. I'm a fan of C.S. Lewis writings, and I love the Narnia Chronicles of Narnia. I read them so many times as a kid. And one of my favorite, I have a number of favorite portions, but one of my favorite portions in the Chronicles of Narnia was in the last battle, and it's this paragraph. Saying, this is what this is what C.S. Lewis is trying to get our imagination to go to. So Aslan's speaking. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. No, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and here's the part I love, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Folks, may we guard this this precious gospel. May we pray for the faithful preaching of this precious gospel. If I could have the band rejoin me up front and let's pray as we close this morning. For more information, head to our website at crosswaypa.org.